Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, a place for adolescent and family healing. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If your family is struggling and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their trained professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Careful, careful. I said a wife. Right. A just, wife, a generic wife. Just can't pick on like women. Like call central casting, two I need men. a wife. <laughs> two men can't sit around picking on women. Okay. Let's say <laughs> Gender there neutral. was... Uh, no, go go with your example. I'm just, I'm just saying. Okay. I'm just saying. Let's say I was married to a dude. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. So I had a lady in my office and she was sort of a a type A. She was the alpha male of the home without question. God love her. Yes. The husband was sitting there, you know, quite mild mannered. And then he got sort of riled up. And he was just going, you know, she just, she's constantly nagging me. She constantly nags me. She tells me what to dress and, and, and how to dress and what to wear, what not to wear. Uh, she gripes at me that we're too early, that we're too late. She tells me to speed up in the car, to slow down, where to park. Uh, it's just constantly, she's constantly correcting me and badgering me and nagging at me. And so I... I turned to the to the to the wife and she said, listen, I understand what he's saying, but I'm not nagging. It's just that I have better ideas. Yowzas. <laughs> and <laughs> where do you thought, go from there, oh, Mr. Therapist? Well, I just said, <laughs> let me introduce you to a concept called shooting on people. Um because she was probably the poster child for this cognitive distortion known as shooting on people. Um, now then, I found it so interesting, not that long ago, your child, my grandchild, uh, Ruthie, was out at the house. She was, she just turned three, so she would have been in her two. She's the cutest little girl oh, you'll ever Lord, see. Ever. She's like a model. And she was outside playing with her cousin um, and Molly the dog. And Ruthie kept saying, Molly, get out of those bushes. Molly, quit chasing those frogs. Lucas, don't run. And she couldn't eat. I said, baby, just play. She has an opinion about everything. She really does. And yet I saw within Ruthie this concept that is called an internal locus of control. It bothered her that Molly was doing something that I don't know how long ago she may have overheard us tell Molly not to do. And that she heard us tell Lucas, we said, hey, don't run. And so she heard us say that at some point. And now she couldn't play. Yeah, yeah. every every time we tell our youngest, uh, our son, JJ, uh, to do something, stop throwing your food, whatever, She's right in there after us telling him what to do. And it's, you know, we, we'll, we'll call a child bossy or whatever, but it's really almost an anxiety thing that they, they're not comfortable yeah. if someone else is doing something that they think they shouldn't be doing. 
And again, it's called this internal locus of control. Yeah, I see it a lot with my my couples. It's this intense need to be right. Yeah. It ceases being about compromise and finding truth together and empathy. And it, it becomes, I'm right, and how can I convince them to be? Well, absolutely. And it's it's I it's not only that I have to take care of my stuff, but I have to take care of your stuff. And they're confused when the other person does not appreciate it. Yeah, and doesn't <laughs> doesn't abruptly change. <laughs> um, so that's the problem of shooting on people. It's this idea of this internal locus of control that I feel uncomfortable. Um, there could be a wife that says, "My wife would say, careful, careful." I said a wife, a wife, a generic wife. Can't pick on women. Like call central casting. I need a wife. (laughs) Two men can't sit around picking on women. Okay. (laughs) Let's say there was. Uh, No, go go with your example. I'm I'm just saying. Okay. I'm just saying. Let's say I was married to a dude. (laughs) Is that better? With that, that's a bit more offensive. <laughs> All right, so no, go back to wife. I'm married to my to my wife, and and, Ru- and Ruth comes from a strong line of, of, women. of women. She does, and so she sees that I left the bathroom light on. Well, she feels compelled, not just to turn it off, but to make sure I know I left it on, and this is a teachable moment for me. She sees herself as God's instrument of correction in my life. And so she, it can't be I just turn it off. There's this burning desire to teach and rebuke and make better. Now, I could find the bathroom or the closet light on or whatever, and I just turn it off. I mean, the, the, the thought doesn't even enter my mind that I need to go use this as a teachable moment to bring it up, to chastise, doesn't even enter. Now, again, you and I have many, many issues ourselves. This one just doesn't necessarily be one is one of those. But for some people, it doesn't even occur to you to take care of other people's business. And for some people, they can't rest until they've taken care of other people's business. And so that is the concept of shooting on people. Uh, a way of looking at this problem is each of us have this list of ironclad rules in our head. And if someone does something that violates our rules, then uh, we get upset. But we're not willing to admit that the other person has their own set of rules in their head. Keeping in mind that, you know, we're not talking about... Um, moral or ethical issues. Uh, we're talking about, you know, whether someone makes the bet or not. Yeah, just just preference. Preferences. Stuff. And so we're, they're not willing to admit that someone else could view this in a different way, and it's not right or wrong. It's just simply different. A person who has this internal locus of control or has a problem with shooting on people believes that their rule book trumps the other person's rule book. I don't care what's written in the other person's rule book. Not only does, does, does their rule book trump the other person's, their rule book trumps all other rule books. Their rule book is the universal rule book for all of humanity, and th- which is, I guess, fine, but they're compelled to tell people when they violated which, said rules. If you think about it, it kind of makes sense. If, if, 
if my rule book is the rule book for all of life, um, and I believe and everyone else should think the same way, I, I would naturally be compelled to tell other people because the assumption is that they're going to agree. And if they don't agree, then they need to be proven incorrectly. Correct. Yeah, they, they need they need to be yes. corrected and almost um, uh, they need to know that their thoughts are ridiculous if they don't follow my rule book. And if you're living with someone who has a problem with shooting, it can be extremely frustrating. And if you're a shooter, it can be extremely frustrating. Yeah. That people ways. are always violating your rule book. Um, now then, I'm going to say something that is quasi um, going to get in trouble for. Oh, Lord. But I see this in my practice. Just my life experience has taught me that I see this more in women than in men. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Josh, I have a vast, I have years. I forgot when I started counseling. I've been doing this so long. <laughs> and yet that's what my practice is. I see it in women more than I see it in men. I, I feel, before you go on, I feel compelled to tell you that there was a little thing called women's suffrage. And mm -hmm. women's lib. They well, we've suffered through women as well. So it's not just <laughs> women's suffrage that they we, now I can make vote. That clear. They can have opinions. So just the other day when we were having our, our pre-production meeting, um, which is why we sound so professional is because we, we really try. Oh, yeah. Um, so we have our PPMs, our pre-production meetings. I have PPMs. Uh, Beth has PMS. Bada boom. No, seriously. <laughs> Tip your waitress. Yeah. We'll be here all is, week. Is this thing on? <laughs> So uh, we talked about, and you kind of jumped on me in the meeting that, hey, you know, this is guys. And I'm going, I've seen this more in women. The next client that walked through the door, it was her husband. And he was as classically a shooter as has ever walked the earth. Yeah. And so uh, definitely a lot of women do struggle with this, um, but a lot of men do as well. Yes. Uh, are you finished talking about? Well, go for it. Let me explain about women and why I see it. And, and the reason why I believe I see this in so many women is because they're nurturers. Most women are, are better parents than guys are. I mean, it's just, it's just in their DNA. And part of loving their child is don't do that. Wipe your face. Uh, put this on. Take that off. Do this. Don't do that. So their correcting and rebuking is, a, is, is how they love their child, they're wanting them to be better. That's what I'm, that's my job as a parent. And then they kind of take that, this is how I show my love. And they just kind of bring it over into their marital relationship. And they start taking the same parental tone with their husbands. Do this, don't do this, speed up, slow down. And it's a way of just loving it. Yeah. And from a very young age, small girls can do that to brothers and to others. They can kind of take on a secondary motherly role mm -hmm. and they learn it from a very young age. Yes. But you have a point about guys. Yeah. Guys um, absolutely can struggle with this as well. Um, and particularly guys that, that might fall on the narcissistic um, spectrum. Not so necessarily virtually all guys. Yeah. Not necessarily clinically speaking, although some might be. Um, but you see it in guys that were parentified. It's called the parentified child. Um, people that men that are given responsibilities early, whether it's fathers gone emotionally or physically, 
death in the family, whatever the case might be, you see a lot of guys that are given adult responsibilities too early. They, they grow up kind of learning to only really trust themselves. And through that, this narcissistic personality kind of comes comes in play. And then subsequently in adulthood, um, you have lots of shooting at that point. Mm-hmm. Then it's their rule book because they've really only trusted themselves. Um, it's it's their rule book uh, that right. they begin to follow and, and apply to other people. Uh, Pamela Garcy with Psychology Today. Oh, Pam Garcy. Old She's Pam. Old Pam. We go way back. <laughs> Um, So we've kind of thrown out there this idea of shitting on people. Um, We've thrown out the problem. And if you're kind of sitting there trying to think through and wonder whether your spouse and or you um, have the issue, there's there's five things. Just kind of consider it's you. (laughs) If that's going through your head, kind of bouncing back and forth. Five things that old Pam uh, wants you to 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 think through uh, to kind of maybe try to to see some of these traits in yourself. Um, shudders often get angry and resentful of things when they don't go their way. They resort to whining and complaining. They often see themselves as a victim. They have a hard time owning their own roles in the problem. Uh, they often reject suggestions to change, and they feel trapped um, even when solutions are readily available. Um, and so those are some 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 kind of guidelines to red flags. Yeah, red flags to really figure out um, if if you and or your spouse is is struggling with shooting. Now, we want to give you some some sort of concrete uh, steps to take if you see this in yourself. And we laugh, but it it would really take some really sort of nice personal insight to back up and go, wow, I think they're describing me. Which people do all the time. Um, but if this is your first time hearing this, that might be very difficult mm-hmm. a conclusion yeah. to come to. But if it is you or if you're married to a shooter, um, here are some steps to take, practically speaking, on, on how to handle... Um, uh, the, the the issue of shooting. The first one is, and this is again when I when I say this, uh, about half the spouses come up out of their seats, uh, and that is that we are to never correct our spouse. What? Just let that just kind of settle over you and absorb. It is- Super counterproductive or counterintuitive. Oh, I know. It's 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 it goes against every fiber of our being. True, and yet we are to never correct our spouse. That doesn't mean that we can't have a discussion about something we don't like. That we don't hammer out solutions to relational problems. All of that. But it's a difference. That's different than correcting them. Because when you when you correct, you really um, you take the responsibility to change on yourself. Um, But at the end of the day, the responsibility, the change agent, has to be your spouse. Um, And when you go on correcting and when you go on shooting, you you attempt to be the change agent yourself. But that is not your responsibility. Well, and a lot of people will say, well, I've just yelled at her for years and she's still doing it. Exactly. And and it's making the problem worse when apparently then wagging your finger. Correct. Ain't working. 
you know, if we, you'll hear this from us a bazillion times, but if we keep doing the same thing the same way, expecting a different result, we're crazy. So if I'm wagging my finger telling them that what they're doing is wrong and they should stop, and I've been doing that for decades, try something else. Something ain't working. Because it's not working. The, one of the main reasons that you never correct your spouse is because by correcting them, you're assuming a position of authority over them. You can Which correct your good. child, but you are nobody to correct your spouse. And I realize that some spouses out there might figure that their partner does not have a brain. Correct. And if they did, they take it out and play with it. Yes. So, but even if that's you, even if that's the case, you can't correct. Well, you're just going to yes. breed, breed bitterness and, and a hardened heart in your and spouse. And it doesn't work. You tell parents, you know, don't, uh, don't scream, don't lecture. Those things don't work. Uh, therefore, if you're still screaming and, you know, lecturing, why are you doing it? Are you doing it just for your own benefit to make yourself feel better that you've really handled the problem? Because it's not working. Uh, so then you have to wonder, then why are you doing it if we know it's not effective? And by the way, uh, this would be a good time to mention, um, this needs to be a, uh, a, an episode and, and really all of our, our marriage and, and, and parenting episodes to listen with your spouse, have them download yes. this episode. So if you, uh, men and women, um, whether you're the husband or the wife, enjoy me dogging on women, they yeah, would like that. Exactly. And vice versa, right? Yeah. Uh, me dogging on men. Um, yeah, so absolutely have them then download this episode and listen with them because this is a, a critical um, uh, topic that that can just it's reap. the source of so much irritation yeah, and conflict. It reaps and sows tremendous yeah. hardship in marriage. So we should never. Number one is we should never correct. Never ever ever correct. You're assuming a position of authority when you do that. Number two. We must constantly monitor our tone because it's all about the beat. That, that beat. It's all about that beat. Beat? It's bass. Bass! Oh it's Lord. about the bass! Ah! Forgive, Jimmy. Oh, man. Uh, you millennials be so out there. Relevant. Never. Okay. So it's all about that tone is what I was trying to say. It's because it, it, we can say the exact same. That was, that was sad. Um, you weren't even confident in it. You were, <laughs> that beat, I knew, I knew, what you were trailing I out. I was, thinking, was that a niner in there? Praying. But if we, and we all know this, that we can say one thing one way and we're fine, but take a different tone with it. And it takes on a completely different meaning. So you can say, Hey, baby, would you please stop? Or, baby, would you please stop it? One is a kind request, and one is a parental wagging of the finger. Uh, so we've got to constantly, I, I, I hear spouses say all the time, it's that tone. When she takes that tone, when he takes that tone. And so we've got to we've got to monitor that. And the person that typically struggles with tone is traditionally tone deaf. They don't understand it. Yes. And this is where you really want to lean on your spouse 
for this advice. One of the biggest things when we stop allowing our spouse to influence us for the better, when we stop uh, listening to them and their advice for us in our own change, when we uh, stop allowing them to refine us, we really get into trouble. So if you are tone deaf and struggle with your tone, this is where you really lean on your spouse and just trust them when they tell you that your tone is a little bit off. Um, so never correct your spouse, uh, watch your tone. Number three, you've really got to speak truth in love. And this comes by stroking and not poking. All right. Let me explain. <laughs> okay. I'm ready. Uh, deal with this with, with couples all the time to be able to poke somebody with truth. They've got to feel stroked first. All right. So you want to stroke, 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 stroke that ego before you poke with truth. All right. Um, so whether it is a tone or whether it is something encouraging before you bring the truth of how they need to correct something, um, you've got to make them feel encouraged. Uh, you got to come in the back door, if you will, positively before you can bring truth. Number four, if you're really struggling with a ton of negativity towards your spouse, seeing a, a, a lot of bad things that they do, it would be very helpful if you just create, sit down. It seems simple, but it, it helps out tremendously if you sit down and just create a list about things that you value in your partner. Um, and I wouldn't hesitate to share that with them because a person that is shitted on constantly doesn't feel valued. Um, and so if you were to sit down with them and share things that you value about them, I think that could be very beneficial towards your marriage. Absolutely. Very nice. So if we're going to take one thing away from this episode. Stop shitting? No. <laughs> it's all about that tone. About that tone. That's what we're taking away. Done. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. and researched by Dr. Jimmy and Dr. Josh Myers. Special thanks to Life Austin Church in Austin, Texas, and our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr. To find out more about the Paradox and to sign up for email updates, go to our website, paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. I've tried to not just train, but to also live by example to let them know that we are called to have a personal relationship with Christ on a daily basis. And he, um, he permeates everything we do from the way we drive to the way we speak to people to how we hold ourselves in the supermarket and being honest as to if they gave us more change back than they should have. And he permeates every area, whether we're taking a test or whether we're speaking to parents or somebody in authority.